Gather your gear. It's time to head out for our road trip across America that will scare your pants off. Along the way, with your hosts, you'll be setting up camp in some of the scariest places they can find. Discover each episode a cryptid, a haunting, and a strange encounter. Climb aboard a cryptid camper if you're brave. Take it away, Shay. Live from our cryptid camper, I'm Shay, and I'm here with my good friend Tom. And we'd like to thank you for joining us for Season 1, Episode 5 of Scare Your Pants Off, Our American Road Trip. In today's episode, we're setting up camp in Maryland. How are you today, Tom? I am excellent. How are you today? I am really, really good. Maryland has been a lot of fun to look up, and I'm just I'm very excited this episode yeah me too i had a lot of fun um i had fun with all the episode researching them but this one was fun um so yeah i'm uh i'm really looking forward to it and uh i i think i picked a a, a good cryptid for you so i'm excited um to see what you think i'm super excited because i know maryland has i know maryland has oodles and i yeah i'm just very excited um hey uh fun thing that uh i think i'm doing on monday if you want to know yes i think i'm going to look at a wedding venue oh okay and all i'll say because it's not guaranteed is that it's a campground all right and it will it will be in october and i'm a horror fan i get it i'm not sure so that's awesome I love Fingers it. Fingers crossed. I love it. So do you, I'm, uh, do you, do you guys have like a date pick for it or your, uh, the so wedding? Or? We were thinking October 2nd, but then we actually heard back from the place that I'm hopefully going to be able to go look at on Monday, maybe Tuesday. Um, cause they don't have that date avail- available, but they have October 23rd available. Oh, okay. So not too shitty. I'm actually uh, pretty excited. Yeah, that that's awesome. Oh, I hope I hope it works out because that that's that's very very cool. Very cool. Fingers are crossed. <laughs> very cool. All right, you want to tell me about that awesome cryptid you have? Ah, uh, I do. I do. Time for the cryptid. So, yeah, like you were saying, Maryland has just a ton of really good cryptids. Uh, I had a tough time deciding. Um, I had, I was able, I, I had narrowed, I narrowed it down to two. Um, the one that I chose, which I'll talk about in a minute, and uh, the goat man, just because I, I don't know why, just the whole image of a goat man, it, it always just cracks me up and in my head. Um but yeah, like I could have chose from the Dwayo, which is like their werewolf, Wolfman. They have, mm-hmm. you know, they have Bigfoot, and uh, and you know their most famous is Chessie, the yeah, the the snake-like aquatic creature in the Chesapeake Bay, um, which pretty much all Marylanders know about. I actually lived in Maryland briefly, um, but I settled upon the snallygaster are you familiar with the snallygaster so and i'm smiling so i'm 
mildly familiar with the Snallygaster, but I will tell you one of my favorite names for any cryptid ever, Snallygaster. I could say that a million times and still be very happy with it every time. I I agree. That was that was part of the selling point too. It was just the name of it. It was like oh that's great, but then it was the description and it was a uh, it was a little different from some some that we have talked about. So yeah, so the Snallygaster is a uh, it's a bird reptile chimera, and for those of you who wonder what a chimera is, it's a fire breathing hybrid creature that's uh, usually composed of different animal parts so they were usually depicted as like a lion with the head of a goat coming out of its back and a really long tail um that with a snake's head at the end of the tail so you could see it was just like a bunch of you know animals put together and it's from greek mythology and you know they, they were the offspring of Typhon and Echinida and the sibling to Cerebus and uh, Learning Hydra for anybody that's interested in the history of a chimera. So anyway, the Snallygaster, <clears throat> uh, the first accounts believe to um, come in the 1700s in the um, Fredericksville, uh, Fredericksburg region of Maryland. Uh, from German immigrants. Uh, <clears throat> initially, the uh, these early accounts described described by the community uh, was that they were being terrorized by um, a monster that they couldn't see, and they just kept calling it the Schnellergeist, or which meant quick ghost in uh, German. And uh, the earliest uh descriptions when they finally did you know somebody did say they saw it and then more people started claiming that they saw it was that it was uh it was half it was half bird half demon ghoul you know with just kind of you know their features mashed up but over the years the um the description morphed as more people claim to see it and over time it finally kind of became like settled on and that you know the most accounts had it uh, described it as a half reptile half bird with a metallic beak and the beak was lined with razor sharp metallic teeth and in some accounts, not all, but some of the accounts, um, it would have octopus tentacles coming out of its body and another eye in the center of its forehead. So it would have three eyes. Again, those last two details were in all of them, but they were in enough that it was recorded. And um, the people, uh, the settlers and the people that lived in this area said that it would silently swoop in from the sky and then and just carry off the victims never to be seen again it was believed that it was after their blood and that's what the this what the creature did it, it took you off and it just drained your blood so of course the people you know frightened of it 
had to figure a way to either defeat this or, you know, how could they keep this at bay? So finally, they they seem to figure out, and I don't know how they figured this out, but they figured it out that a seven-pointed star was sort of the kryptonite for the Snallygaster. So you could either, you know, you can write in the dirt, you can make it with sticks, or what a lot of them did was painted it on their barns, because, you know, we're in Maryland in the 1700s, it's, you know, agriculture, rural and stuff, and... Uh, so they would paint it on the side of their barns, which I found really interesting is to this day, you can still find barns in Maryland with the seven pointed star painted on them. I was like, that's really cool. And, you know, just the, the rich history of, uh, of the East coast. So then it's sort of uh, accounts of it sort of died down, um, through the early 1800s and then popped back up in the later 1800s. And the belief why it popped back up in the later 1800s was that the, um, you know, it was after the Civil War, this uh, slaves had been freed. And it, today we believe that they put this in papers and it became local. Locals did this to scare the, um, the freed slaves into acting the way they wanted them to act. And uh, then it, it, it kept, you know, it kept gaining steam and more reports um, came out in the early 1900s, early 20th century, um, where it finally started ending up in big publicated, uh, publication p newspapers in 1909 uh, uh, being reported uh, all over the country um, in these papers, not the sightings, just in the papers from around the country. And to the point where the Smithsonian Institute offered a reward to anybody that could capture and bring them the Snallygaster. Um, and then at that point, and I found this super interesting, it was reported that Teddy Roosevelt, the president, the big hunter, big game Teddy there, actually considered postponing one of his famous African safaris to go hunt and catch the Snallygaster. Oh, that's awesome. Right? Yeah. I, I thought I was like, that is so awesome. But. Oh, no but. Unfortunately, it was a hoax. He, oh. he never, um, not publicly, and maybe he did privately, but never publicly was going to go uh, hunt the Snallygaster. It was actually, you know, because this was reported on, on by the Middletown Valley Register newspaper, and it was their their editors decided they wanted to increase readership and increase sales, so they made up the story about Teddy Roosevelt. I was I'm a yeah. little heartbroken. <laughs> yeah, I I was bummed too because I was like, <gasps> like that that adds so much you know, just validation to it. A president, a, a sitting president of the United States is going to go hunt it. Um, yeah. So un unfortunately that wasn't true, but, uh, so yeah, that's essentially the Snallygaster. I mean, it appears now in, um, you know, in pop culture quite a bit, actually more than I was really realized it's in video games like fallout 76. Um, yeah. In books, uh, 
It's in movies. Uh, there's ice cream named after. There's ice cream flavor named what? after. Yep. There's a whiskey named after it. There, I believe there's uh, uh, like a pale ale named after it. There's a band uh, actually out of Baltimore. They're named Snallygaster. They're a punk band. Um, yeah. So that is the Snallygaster. So <laughs> my fat butt had to look up the ice cream immediately. <laughs> What's and it's a it's a peanut butter ice cream with peanut butter cups, pretzels, and caramel swirl. I eat it. I definitely I eat, so it. eat it. Yeah, that sounds really good. That sounds well really then. good. <laughs> I'm on the hunt then. That's apparently the ice cream I need to eat next. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that was that was awesome, and I'm so bummed. I'm so bummed that that wasn't true. Right. I don't know. That's but that's that's so cool. And the Snallygaster is just such a cool sounding creature, and I love it. Great job, good pick. Yeah, it was like the descriptions and and the you know the folklore behind it. It it really it sucked me in too. You know, it was like really fun just I'm just reading and writing and like actually having to put the pen down because I'm just enjoying what I'm reading about this thing and it's um yeah I it was interesting and I I was not at all familiar with it I that, that was brand new to me so huh. very cool I like it yeah well, I'm super excited to talk about my haunting all right time for the haunting so it's funny. So we, we, we divided up the states and stuff like that. And I love cryptids in every state. And I always want to do the cryptids for every state because I love them. But man, just some, some of the hauntings are so cool. So I'm actually, I'm super happy I picked Maryland for one of my states because this haunting absolutely touched, like just, it touched my heart. I love it. It's nice. It means a lot. It's very cool. So I want to talk to you today about uh, 1626 Thames Street in Baltimore, Maryland. Do you know what that is? I do not. So it is a bar called the Horse You Came In On Saloon. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. It was established in 1775. And best I can figure, because like I said, I couldn't find, um, I couldn't find an earlier name than Al's and Ann's. It was eventually purchased by a man named Howard Gerber because he got lucky in the Pina Lico race. I believe I'm saying that right. I apologize if I'm not. Um, so he actually won enough in that race for a down payment to buy this place. So that's, and that's why he named it what he named it. So that's really cool. That's awesome. The horse you came in on saloon has a nickname. Any any guesses as to what that nickname might be? Nah, nothing. It's also known as Poe's Last Stop. Oh, very cool. Yep. So it's said to not only be Poe's, not only to have been Poe's favorite watering hole, but to be where he consumed his final drink on October 3rd of 1849. And after wow. this drink, yeah, I know it's, yeah, I, I love it. Um, after this drink, 
he would take to the streets and he would later be found disoriented and just not himself. He would be taken to the Washington Medical College and he would die there four days later. So, yeah, very sad, but um, yeah, I'm going to dive a little bit into the history of the saloon because it's, it's absolutely amazing. And I'll tell you about one really cool thing they do for Edgar Allan Poe after, but uh, the horse you came in on and in all of its historical glory is the only bar in Baltimore to be open before, during, and after Prohibition. That's really interesting. Wow, yep. that's really, really cool. Well, yeah, you, you said it was 1775, so wow. Yeah. And during, that's interesting too, during Prohibition. So. Yeah, I couldn't find anything that elaborated on that either. So I don't, I don't even know how, like I couldn't find one thing that said, this is how it happened. Just says that it was, so pretty intriguing. That's interesting. Um, this place has a lot of claims. It has a lot of your standard claims. It has lights flickering, turning off and on, TV turning off and on. Um, the patrons uh, claim to feel cold spots or feel gusts of wind like someone just walked by them. Uh, customers are also said to see figures standing next to them or sitting next to them when they look at the mirror that's behind the bar. Kind of, yeah, right? And it gives you a little bit of a chill. Yes. Uh, they have drawers and register drawers that open by themselves randomly. So one morning, a uh, employee was tasked with opening and they were going about their routine and someone walked by them without looking up from their work immediately they said you know sorry we're closed you're not supposed to be in there and then as they started to look up they realized they're alone there is nobody in there with them they are by themselves Oof. <laughs> i know um, another really cool claim from <laughs> another employee is uh they witnessed a full glass or a mug maybe of beer that was sitting on a bar shattered for no reason no one was near it no one was touching it it just shattered for no reason now the timing of what happens next i'm not too sure of but they said that it said that they eventually talked to a bartender so i don't know if it was the same night or the next day because i really can't find anything to elaborate on on it but when they talked to the bartender about that totally believed them because the same thing happened to him in the same spot on the same bar. Yeah. That, that's crazy. So that's that's all I have for that haunting. It's really short and I really I needed to do it because it's Edgar Allan Poe and it just it, it just resonates with me. And I'm gonna tell you one really cool thing that they do. Um some nights they actually leave a glass of cognac out for Edgar Allan Poe as they close. That's awesome. Yeah, that, I love it. That's awesome. Wow. That's what I like. I love it. What a good story. Oh, my goodness. Um, first of all, great choice because I, I, I'm fascinated by Poe. You know, it, for that alone, I, I'm hooked. And then uh, that whole, the glass smashing, it's, it's, I mean, there was a few parts where literally the hairs on my neck were standing up as you're describing it because you can just, just you can, 
picture being in that person's, you know, in their shoes when that, when whatever happened, but the glass smash, that is just fascinating to me because, you know, we on occasion investigate and whatever. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot, a lot of things with hauntings, it's like sounds and lights flickering, which, you know, you can find some scientific reasoning for it, but a full glass of beer or whatever, a full glass of alcohol, just shattering, like, just, uh, like, show, show me the science behind it for that, you know, because I, yeah. you know, and then it happened to the bartender the, in the same exact spot, the same exact thing happened. Um, yeah, it's, I, I, I don't know how you would fake something like that, a glass shattering. Um, yeah, no, this is, I, I really, I really liked it. And again, you know, I, I lived there briefly, not, not for very long, less than a year in Maryland, but um, it's, you know, Poe is a big part of Marylanders identity. You know, people are very proud of the fact that Poe, Poe lived there. So just, that's a really great choice. I really enjoyed that. That was yeah. great. Thank you. All right. You got a good, uh, what do you got for a strange encounter? Time for the strange encounter. I do. So, um, just interestingly, uh, you know, when, uh, you did the strange encounters for Louisiana and it was, uh, you know, their fame, there was not a lot of, you know, UFO encounters. In fact, it's like, you know, the behind just behind Texas for the least amount in uh, the United States. Well, Maryland is only two behind them. They are out of 50. They are number 46 in sightings. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, not many. Um, still considerable amount more than Louisiana for 2020. Approximately 1,300 uh, UFO or, you know, sightings. Um, as opposed to, I think you had said like Louisiana was like 800, you know, so it's, you know, even still a big difference between the two, but yeah, in the grand scheme, very low. And, uh, so I did some research and I was able to find a pretty good one though. And it is known as the Lock Raven Reservoir Incident. Are you at all familiar with this? Not even a little. All right. Very cool. I wasn't either. And I actually lived in the town that this happened in. Um, It was way before my time, but I lived in this town when I lived in Maryland. So on October 26, 1958, in Towson, Maryland, Alvin Cohen and Philip Small were taking a drive around midnight. Why? I don't know. It just says they decide to take a drive around midnight weird time to for two friends to decide to take a drive but hey whatever so they're driving along and then all of a sudden they see this really large iridescent egg shaped object appear above the bridge that they were approaching so you know, a little frightened, a little curious, you know, they kind of slow up, but they, they, they still keep driving just at a slower pace towards the bridge. And then 
before they get to it, all of a sudden the car dies or just stops. Uh, the lights are gone. The lights are off. They go to, you know, they're trying to turn over the ignition again. Nothing. It was like as if the, uh, all the electrical system in the whole car just all gave out at the same time. So they, uh, you know, obviously frightened because there's this object and I wouldn't have done this, what they had done. So they decide to jump out of the car. And when they get out of the car, they realize there's nowhere to, nowhere to run or hide. So they have to crouch down and hide behind the car. And that's horror movie 101. Stay in the car. <laughs> right. Like the only thing I can say from them, it was the 1950s. So maybe didn't see a lot of horror movies yet, but yeah. it's still, it's still common. I would never, you know, you're safer in the car than crouching down behind it. It's, I was like, yeah, I thought the same thing. So as they're terrified, crouched behind it, they, uh, they're watching it and it's just hovering. But then all of a sudden there's this really bright flash of light and a really, really loud noise. And then it's followed by this just really, really extreme heat, which will come up later, uh, this extreme heat that they both feel. Then it rises into the, it rises up faster than anything in the, in the air go at, for 1958, and then just disappears, gone. So obviously frightened, they finally, they, they run back to the car, you know, and they're able to turn it over and they just pull ass into town, get to a, to a payphone, and they call the ground observers corps to tell them what they saw the ground observers corps. Now, remember this is 1958. We're in the middle of the cold war with Russia. Um, the ground observers corps, their whole thing was all their job was, they just looked at the sky at night. They were looking for spy planes and whatever, you know, aerial aircrafts from, um, you know, or other countries trying to come over. That was their whole deal. They were just, you know, that we were so afraid that we had a whole core of people just looking at the sky at night. So they call them and they explain exactly what happened to them. And the guy on the line goes, are you serious? Laughs and hangs up on them. So now, right? Now they're pissed. I, even... I don't. Sorry, go on. That's crazy. Yeah. Now they're pissed and scared. So they decide to call the Baltimore County Police. And again, regard it doesn't say what the police think over the phone. Regardless, they have to come out. They're the police. So they come out and the trooper, you know, this uh, police trooper is talking to him. And as you know, they tell him the story. He believes him. He, 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 in his, in, in his own words, he said, you cannot make up. You could not fake their terror, the terror that was in their face, the terror that was in their eyes, the terror that was in their speech. He's like, there's no way you could fake it. He's like, I've been a cop for a lot of years. I've seen people lie. I, I know when somebody's trying to pull my leg, get one over on me. And he is in no way where these guys, um, 
no way with these guys lying. And then, you know, they had to explain the extreme heat and said they felt sunburn on their face. And he even said to them, he goes, well, your face does seem color. He's like, I didn't know if it was because you were scared or, you know what I mean? You got a lot, but he goes, your face does have color. So we should definitely, you guys should definitely go to the hospital. So they set it up. They, and they go to the hospital to get checked out. Um, you know, the hospital and maybe the police officer, you know, like I said, we're in the cold war. So, you know, they're, they're thinking maybe radiation poisoning, which also could come from a alien ship and, you know, Mm -hmm. radiation. We don't know what kind of technology they're using. Um, and so they go to the hospital and it's in the hospital notes and the doctor that their face was red and family members that came also said that they're, they were abnormally red. Um, but all their vitals were good and everything. And, um, they, they were let go the next day. It was, um, investigated by the police. And then it was investigated by the, uh, the actual air force came in and investigated for a lot of years and they were trying to figure it out. And, you know, the belief was that, you know, maybe it was something from the Soviet union, something, but they could not figure it out. They could not. And uh, to this day, even by the Air Force standards, it is still considered an unidentified flying object. And uh, it's it still gets investigated to this day. And that's the Lock Raven Reservoir incident. That is that is really cool. And I, I like that it still is a, a UFO. I, I like that it's never been never been debunked. I'm sure despite a lot of effort probably, but I, I love that it's still not. Yeah, I, I, I did too. My one thing that, the one thing that stuck out to me in the story too was they call that, those people, the ground observers core, and they laugh at them. You got to think yeah. that that ground observers core probably had other people call in about UFOs, at, you know, and like, or, or something like that. But like, to just completely laugh at them and like, and hang and just hang up and, you know, like at least transfer them or, Hey, call the cop or something. Don't laugh at them and hang up. I was like, yeah, that's, um, especially cause what if it was, say it wasn't an alien thing. Yeah. You know, what if it was the Soviet union and, you know, you just laughed at a guy that told you about this Soviet technology that, nobody on this planet has ever seen so i thought it was a pretty good story pretty good. i like it no that was awesome that was a great choice that was yeah no that's super interesting maryland maryland has proven to be very very interesting i'm happy with it yeah and you know it was, like i said there's not a lot of incidents in maryland but it was and that was definitely the, the one with the most meat to it so that's why i chose it because uh you know it is in the lower rank of states that have sightings so very good cool all right you got anything else for me today tom i do not all right folks thanks for joining us join us next week when we set up camp in west virginia until then happy camping thanks guys bye as always our hosts would like to thank you for joining if you enjoyed the program, please be sure to like, follow, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Find us on Instagram at Pod. No spaces. 
or on Twitter, Scare Your Pants Off Podcast. Or send us an email with questions, comments, and fan art to scareyourpantsoff9 at gmail. See you next time.